Time to get inspired, develop and improve your yoga knowledge in English. You listen to Your Yoga in English, a podcast for non-native English-speaking yogis that want to practice or teach yoga worldwide. My name is Annie, the founder of Enga Unite, and here to guide you on your way to become the confident, effective and knowledgeable English-speaking yogi you want to be. Today, I want to focus on specifically how you can fill your yoga classes, specifically online, how you can fill your online yoga classes. Because what I see, what I very often see, is that people, yoga teachers, they struggle to fill up their classes and they wonder what they do wrong. And in the beginning, when I started my own digital yoga career, I've made many mistakes. For those that are familiar with human design, I am a 3-5 projector, but the 3-5 profile is all about making mistakes. And I make these mistakes because I can help you prevent making the same mistakes. So I'm actually really happy. I'm really glad that I have made these mistakes and that I can teach you now what not to do so that you can set yourself up for success because mistakes, they are learning opportunities and they help you to get where you want to be. But if we receive a little bit of help and support not having to make these mistakes, even better, right? So my purpose of today's training is to help you understand what doesn't work, what really doesn't work in terms of filling up your classes so that you can stay more focused, attract consistent students and build a loyal clientele up to expand your career opportunities, to expand your network, to expand loyal customers loyal students, and actually live of teaching yoga so that you can teach yoga full-time or make yoga your only job and really share your passion with other people around the world, all your yogi students around the world. So what doesn't work? What doesn't work? I've got four things that I want to share with you. Number one, and this is about your energy, teaching classes, but also your energy trying to attract people to your classes. Number one, what doesn't work is having a very saturated class schedule. Now, look at your class schedule and look at how many classes you have available and how many classes your students can choose from on a weekly or a monthly basis. Because a mistake that many yoga teachers make especially in the beginning, is that they make themselves really available, very available. And that is because you're enthusiastic, yeah? You want to teach as much as you can and you want to help as many people as you can. But let's say you've got 10 or even more classes a week. Go with the example of 10 classes a week. And you want to have a minimum of 10 people per class. So 10 classes, 10 students per class. That means you need 100 students. Of course, there are students that come to your classes more than once a week. 
but this requires some dedication from their side as well. The average yoga practitioner practices twice a week with their teacher. That's on average. If you're teaching 10 classes and you want 10 people to come to your classes every single class and the average practitioner practices twice a week, you would need 50 students. Now, we live in a very fast-paced society, very fast-paced lives, and it's a very distracting world. There's a lot of options available for everyone. When there's a lot of options, people get overwhelmed. When there's too many options, people want to go for the easy route, and the easy route is not doing anything. So it could be that your students are overwhelmed with so many classes. It could be that they are lazy, they postpone because they can go another time, and they drop out. So to hold your students accountable, you want to create a little bit more exclusivity and keep your availability limited as well. This will save you energy so that in every class you can show up as your best self and hold space as your best teacher self and serve them from a place of connection, really feeling connected with the people that are there, offering the best service that you have. But the fewer classes you will have, or the fewer classes you offer, the easier it is for your students as well to be consistent. And that means that for you, the easier it will be to fill your classes. So number one is having a saturated class schedule. Saturated means a lot too much, really dense, and we want to make it more limited. So if you have a class schedule of 10 plus classes a week, maybe bring it down to five. Once every day, Monday to Friday, for example. Yeah, so that's number one. Have a look at your availability and how available you are. In terms for yourself, your own energy, and also to not overwhelm your students. Number two, number two, what doesn't work, what doesn't work are donation-based classes or pay what you can. Now, to make it very clear, I'm not saying that you shouldn't offer these classes. But first of all, if you offer donation-based classes or pay-what-you-can classes, ask yourself why. Why are your classes donation-based and why do you allow your students to pay what they can? I love these classes. I really love these classes because it makes yoga accessible to people that maybe don't have a stable income or they don't have the means to invest in yoga, but still make yoga available for them, right? So they can still practice even if they can't commit to maybe a membership at a yoga studio. So I do love donation-based classes or pay-what-you-can classes, but I do want you to ask yourself why. Because... A lot of teachers, they make their classes donation-based because they fear that otherwise no one will show up. They fear that if their classes have a fixed price, no one wants to join. And if that's the reason, if the reason that you think no one will come to your class, if it's not donation-based, you're teaching from a place of scarcity. 
It might be that at the moment you don't trust that your classes are worthy, that they're not valuable enough. And maybe that you doubt your teaching skills. Maybe you think that your teaching skills are not enough to set a fixed price. Maybe you fear competition, right? That you think students will go to more affordable classes or practice on YouTube otherwise. But if this is your fear, if these insecurities live inside your head, and that's the reason why you make your classes donation-based, students can feel this energy. They can feel your doubts. They can feel your fears and insecurities. And in that case, if they do feel this, they won't join your classes. Because why? If you don't trust yourself, your teaching skills, your time, your expertise, your experience, if you don't trust yourself, why would they? So ask yourself, why are my classes donation-based? If it is to help those that can't afford a class otherwise, keep it limited to maybe one or two of these classes a week, or maybe even one or two of these classes per month. Keep it limited. For the rest of your classes, set a fixed price. Because a fixed price will increase your authority. It will increase your authority It will also increase the perception of value, right, for your students. Because now students see that you value yourself and that there will be something that they learn or get out of it. And they have one more reason to actually show up, to come to the class that they pay for. Because they have invested in something. They paid money for something and they want to make the most of it. Students that pay for classes are more serious, they're more loyal, and they're more consistent. So, if your reason to offer paid donation-based classes or pay what you can is because you fear otherwise people won't go, check in with your mindset. Rephrase that. Is that true? Why do you think this way? And if it is because you want to make yoga accessible, Absolutely do. Go for it, but keep it limited. Not all of your classes, but maybe one a week or two a week, maybe one or two a month. Yeah. Number three, number three of the things that do not work is offering random or general yoga classes. General yoga classes. And random or general yoga classes are a little bit like donation-based classes. And again, I am not saying that you shouldn't teach general classes, but I do want you to teach or to offer these classes with a very clear intention. So ask yourself again, do you keep them random or do you keep them general? Because you fear that if they are too specific, People won't go to your class or you can't fill up the class or is it to create accessibility? Is it that you want to offer yoga to everyone in terms of everybody without limitations, without excluding anyone's abilities? There is a difference between creating accessibility in terms of techniques, right, in terms of your teaching techniques And the accessibility in regard to literally being open for anyone that wants to move. 
So there's a difference between teaching in a way that's accessible or creating your classes for literally anyone, whatever age, whatever experience they have. So you can teach in very, very, very accessible ways by having the skill to read bodies, by reading the room and adjusting your plan to your observations, offering props, offering assistance, variations, suggestions, anything that meets the needs of your students. And all of these teaching techniques, you can learn. They are skills. And I teach them in our Teach Yoga and English course series. Yeah, it's one of our modules. It's all about being accessible and offering hands-on adjustments, reading bodies, offering props, and offering verbal assistance as well. So that's in terms of your teaching techniques. But teaching general classes with the aim to fill them up, that doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. Think of yourself going to a yoga class. What is your purpose for joining the class? Is it building strength and flexibility, finding calm and relaxation, cultivating self-awareness or spiritual growth? Every student, you and your own students, they go to class for a reason. So the clearer you are on the purpose or the outcome of your classes, the more likely you will attract people that actually want those specific results. So in your class descriptions, we're speaking about this right now, or even your class titles, be very clear about who the class is for, what they can expect to learn, to do, grow, or improve, and how you're going to take them from point A to point B. Describe the outcome. Describe what they will do or have achieved after your class. Yeah, be specific. And that means that if you're doing, for example, a yoga to open the hips, anyone, anyone that is interested in opening the hips can then go to this class. It can be male, female, doesn't really matter the gender, their age, their experience, but it's focused on opening the hips. Yeah, does that make sense? So that means we're not doing a Hatha class or a vinyasa class, or a slow flow, but we're doing something specific. Describe the outcome. Now, the fourth thing that doesn't work, the fourth thing that doesn't work, and this really is the way that you communicate your classes, the way that you try and inform people that you have classes available for them, is saying things like, come to my class Wednesday, 7 p.m. Come to my class on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Every time that I see a teacher post something like, come to my class at 7 p.m., I am really gutted. It really breaks my heart because I know it's with the best intention. You want to let your students know that they can practice with you and that you have classes going on. But what's in it for them? What is it that they will get out of it? So let's analyze that phrase. Let's analyze, come to my class 7 p.m. on Wednesday. The word my is a pronoun, and that refers to something that is mine. In this case, the teachers. It's my class. 
It's something that's yours if you're watching this as a teacher. People could perceive this as a class being about you, right? So using my in your post to attract students is a missed opportunity. I think it's a missed opportunity. It's not a very clear invitation that this class is for them. Yeah, you're doing this for your students. So it's their class, your class. Then the word class. Come to my class at 7 p.m. What type of class? What will you practice? And with what reason? What's the intention? What's the outcome? In other words, what is in it for the practitioner? Just as I explained why you don't want to teach general classes or random classes, here as well, you want to describe the outcome of your class. What will your students do, learn, grow, improve? What will they achieve? What will they get? Where will they be after this class? The clearer and more specific, the higher the chance that you will then attract loyal and consistent students. All right. The last part of this sentence, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. where? Is this in Mexico, in Italy, in Hong Kong, right? If you teach people that live in your local area and you're only attracting people in the same city or the same time zone, yeah, you can use 7 p.m. But most of you here, and especially those that are doing our courses, you want to teach internationally, right? You want to attract people that live in different parts of the world, different areas, different countries. Maybe you are traveling and your time zone changes or your students are traveling and their time zone changes, right? Not adding your time zone is another missed opportunity. So be clear, tell people at what time, but also the time zone that your class takes place. So first of all, what is in it for them? What will they achieve, right? What is the outcome of the class and the time zone? And it's not anymore about your class at 7 p.m. It's their class, their outcome, 7 p.m., where it is in the world. So to summarize what doesn't work, what really doesn't work is a saturated class schedule, donation-based classes. If the reason is scarcity, accessibility do it but if the reason is otherwise no one will come or there's a lot of competition they will practice on youtube otherwise no that's not true so donation classes if the reason is scarcity not an option anymore number three what doesn't work is random or general classes again if the reason is that you fear otherwise people won't join or it's too specific and it's hard which is not, it's not hard, but you might think it's hard to attract these specific people. The clearer, the more specific you are, the easier it will be to communicate with them, to reach them and to attract them. I promise you that. Then the last thing that doesn't work, inviting people to come to your class at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. No. What does work, what does work, what I really want you to take away from today is number one, creating exclusivity. 
create a little bit of exclusivity in terms of your availability or your class schedule. Exclusivity in terms of availability or your class schedule. Number two, set a fixed price to have people commit to their investment. Think of payment plans, a membership, maybe for drop-in classes. So maybe they go to one class only, pay up front. If you want to, you can even set a very small amount for a trial class. That's an option. You could even do that, but have people commit to their investment. Number three, what works is be specific. Be specific and precise on the promise or the outcome of your classes. How will you take them from point A? I'm feeling miserable and tired and I don't know what to do with myself to B. I'm energized, optimistic, and I've got a plan for the rest of my week. I don't know. You describe the outcome, the promise, but be specific on this. And when promoting your classes, and especially if this is on Instagram, in your stories, or in your posts, in your Facebook groups, on TikTok, in your emails, whatever it is that you use to promote your classes, be clear on what's in it for your students and include your time zones. Or include your time zones. <laughs> All right. So I hope this helps. I hope they have has given you at least four things to not do and also giving you four things to do instead. And thank you so much for joining me and for staying here until the end. We'd love to hear your feedback. Always feel free to write to me and I'm sending you a lot of love. Have a great week and I'll see you soon. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> you listen to Your Yoga in English brought to you by Enga Unite, a unique online learning platform for non-native English-speaking yogis. If you liked what you learned today, I would love for you to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Enga Unite. Join the community and become a member of the Teach Yoga in English support group. Check out our continuing education membership that offers you the chance to develop your skills and expertise through self-paced learning and live classes and training. If you want help understanding what you need to improve and create an action plan to achieve the goals that you have for your career as an international yoga teacher, book a free discovery call with me, Annie. You can find all the links in the show notes. This is your time to invest time in your personal and professional development.